What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Well, hey, guys, hope you're doing well. Cloud back with here on the New Vision Podcast. Now, today, if you're listening to this, the day comes out is Monday, the 21st of November. 2022. Uh, and so Friday, we heard Pastor Ben Curtis was with us and he kind of started this long chain of events that's in first or excuse me, second Samuel, uh, where we see the chapter 13 and 14, kind of the mess uh, of David's kids just going bonkers. And so it's, it's and, and if you were at New Vision, uh, not yesterday, Sunday, the, the 20th, but the weekend before that, we had a whole sermon that Brady preached on this, talking about this terrible, terrible story of the rape of, of Tamar. So uh, his uh, Amnon rapes his sister, basically. And that's so that's Second Samuel chapter 13. And it, it, it should go without saying, but it's just it's terrible, terrible, terrible. You know, all this has been said on Friday that this is just basically a long story of consequences. It's dark. It's heavy. Uh, it should weigh on our hearts. And so we are going to continue in that today. Uh, and I've got a huge chunk. Again, I seem to be picking up these podcasts where we kind of summarize uh, multiple chapters. And that's just kind of the nature of when you get into these Old Testament narratives. They're very detailed. The narrator is talking about events uh, in, in this group of peoples, and then he'll backtrack and say what was going on at the same time in those group of peoples. And it, it gets kind of confusing, and it's just a ton of ground to, to cover to read verbatim every single word uh, on these episodes. And so what uh, what this episode and ones that I've done in the past are encouraging you to do is give you that broad kind of 10,000 foot view so that you can help. It'll help you, you know, kind of have, all right, give me, give me the who, what, when, where, why, and then I can help. It'll help me read kind of more detailed each verse individually. And so today I'm just going to kind of give another overview I've got chapters 15 through 19 of 2 Samuel, and we're continuing on in this story of uh, Absalom uh, and, and, and David David's kids and just the, the drama. It's crazy. It's like a Game of Thrones episode or, or whatever your favorite you know Vikings TV show is where this king and that king and this guy's raising against that one, and now his this guy's allegiance to this guy, and now he changes. It's just it's all that drama, right? And so if you all can put up with uh, – uh, you know, a Netflix TV show or whatever, you can you can listen to all this um, or read for yourself uh, all the stuff that goes on in, in the books of First and Second Samuel. So I hope this encourages you and it's just a tool uh, to, to point you in that direction. And so, like we said on Friday, just really quickly to, to recap, starting in chapter 13, we saw that Amnon, so the son of David, rapes uh, his half-sister, who was also the daughter of David. And then so... T Tamar's brother Absalom, he kills his half brother Amnon, and he he's like he spent like three years plotting the murder of Amnon to basically get back at the rape of his sister, and so it's a drama. And and as with all family dramas, David, you know, he probably has a lot of mixed emotions, so we don't want to be too hard on him. But where is he during all this? Well, as Brady said a couple weeks ago, he said that David was a a warrior on the battlefield and passive just completely passive at home and so 
I mean, you kind of you kind of feel for Absalom after his uh, his half brother rapes his sister. David doesn't do anything about it, and then so Absalom takes matters into his own hands and uh, kills his brother. So, I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. It's just it's just a mess. And and Scripture never says that we we are to take matters into our own hands. And so, man, we're just going downhill. We saw that in chapter thirteen. Then in fourteen, chapter fourteen. Uh, the relationship, you know, between obviously Absalom, he murders his brother, and so David's upset about that, and so Absalom has to flee. He flees Jerusalem uh, to get away from his father's jurisdiction, and so you know, he's he's got mixed motives. Yeah, he wanted just, just justice to to kill Am- Amnon for raping his sister, but Absalom doesn't have great motives because he wants to to be, you know, the next heir to the throne. And so he's probably not all that great in his motives. And so chapter 14, he flees, but his rage against his father and his jealousy. And, you know, he, he, he often says, you know, if I was on the throne, I'd do it this way. And then the relationship between David and Absalom gets even colder, right? If your kid kills your other kid, that that's going to put a hamper on how, how close you are in, in relationship. So, he spends three years, Absalom, he spends three years in exile. Um, and David obviously doesn't want him in his presence. And so, you know what? I've read a bunch of commentaries on this, and, and a lot of them are just like uh, blaming David. Yeah, David was passive. He kind of let all this happen under his watch. And, you know, there's uh, all, all this crazy drama you can read for yourself. But basically... Joab, which is one of David's, uh, basically his secretary of defense, kind of the commander of his army. He's kind of trying to convince David. He kind of comes up with this story and this, this lady to come and kind of present this story, you know, a fabricated story to David to convince him to bring Absalom back into court. And, you know, it's kind of the sob story. And, and they, they basically convince David kind of like Nathan had done, uh, in, in, presenting the sin of Bathsheba to him. So anyways, long story short, David is finally convinced and he lets Absalom, he gives him like a pardon to come back into Jerusalem and he's now accepted into court. So, but in chapter 14, we see uh, verse 24, David said, quote, let him, this is Absalom. So he, he lets him come back and then he says, let Absalom dwell apart in his own house. He is not to come into my presence. So Absalom lived apart in his own house and did not come into the king's presence. And so we see that David, he kind of pardons Absalom uh, for right or wrong. You know, his, he, his forgiveness was kind of official, but not personal. He doesn't want to have anything to do with his other other son. And so, you know, many of the commentaries blame David for, you know, not... He, he's obviously in the wrong, right? He, he, never, he never presses in... To, to the sin that Absalom had committed by murdering his other son. And so it just, if you know, y'all, y'all know this, if you're sideways with somebody, just ignoring it doesn't make it better. You either have to, if it's bad enough, you either have to press into it or there has to be working through for forgiveness, right? And so that's kind of where David's in the wrong is he just, he's confused. He's unwilling to punish Absalom, but he's also unwilling to forgive him. And so this situation, this relationship just festers and festers. And you can imagine Absalom, how, how angry he was 
that David didn't do anything about the rape of his sister. And now he's kind of being so cold to him. He lets him come back uh, into the kingdom, but doesn't want anything to do with him. And so obviously his anger continues to grow. They're both wrong, right? Absalom's obviously wrong. He's taking matters into his own hands. He has ulterior motives. David is a passive father. Of course, he's wrong. And it's just sin upon sin piling on each other. It's a mess, okay? And and we think it might get better, but no, it gets worse. So here we are in chapter 15. Finally, Absalom, who had plotted the murder of his brother to, to pay back for Tamar for, for three years or whatever. He plans a coup, right? He wants to take over the kingdom. He's had enough. If he was on the throne, he'd do it better than his dad. And for right or wrong, he's he feels justified. He still takes matters into his own hands. So he's sinning. He's, he's making things even worse. And as cold as the relationship was between father and son, between David and Absalom, we, we would kind of call this the last straw. This is like the, the the relationships finally severed when you when you come up in a in a coup and try to basically kill your own father and oust him from the kingdom so that you can be king instead, right? This is a mess. So, long story short, this 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 story takes over the place of you know four chapters all the way from chapters fifteen through nineteen, where it goes over how Absalom he he plans and, and this coup this overthrow. And it's pretty pretty successful, but basically, so chapter fifteen, this kind of happens. Um, he manipulates the people. He's a very good politician. It says the the scripture says he's a good looking dude. He's really good with words. He makes very good campaign promises. Right, we're kind of familiar with this. He looks great on TV. He looks great on social media. He plays the part, and he he's successful. I mean, he's kind of raising this campaign against David, his father, and so you know. He's taking matters in his own hands. He's manipulative, and he's successful. So finally, in chapter fifteen, uh, he's he's winning so much of the the populace that David's own advisor Ahithophel uh, he defects and he he joins Absalom, and so David is starting to lose his top cabinet right, and they're going to join uh, in this overthrowing. And so chapter fifteen, all this politics goes down, and David's like, oh well. I, uh oh, like I'm in trouble and he has to flee. He flees Jerusalem yet again. And you think about the course of first and second Samuel, how often David has been on the run. First it was from Saul for like the entire book of First Samuel, and now he's fleeing from his own son and his own previous friends who have defected and and turned against him, kind of committing high treason against their king. So that, that drama goes down in chapter 15. In chapter 16, Absalom's successful coup kind of parades into Jerusalem. He enters publicly uh, to, the, to the palace. And, and this, is, this is hard, right? In chapter 16, uh, if you have kids, you may want to turn them away. What he does, Absalom, he comes into the, his father's palace and he takes all his father's concubines, right? Uh, not full wives, but his women basically, and sleeps with them publicly on the roof of the palace, right? This is a public shaming of his father. It's a, it's a claim to the throne. Um, and, and, you know, this is crass, but it's kind of like an animal, like a, a dog or a cat who goes around and marks its territory, right? It's, it's sick. It's messed up. It's, it's just sin upon sin. But I was reading some commentaries here, this scene in chapter 16, he's doing this in front of the whole nation in public, 
uh, and this had been promised that this would happen. And I read many commentaries that said this, this scene that's taking place uh, is disgusting, right? And then a lot of people were saying this is most likely the very same roof that David had watched Bathsheba bathe on. And so you see like this long consequences that, that none of this had ever probably crossed David's mind as he was aroused when he watched Bathsheba bathe. And yet he brings this sin into his household, this sin into his kingdom. And we see full circle now this disgusting, he shouldn't have had concubines in the first place, but now Absalom is kind of a chip off the old block and he is uh, sin compounds. And so we see that, that just harsh picture here in chapter 16. He's finally in Jerusalem. David had fleed. He's out in the countryside. He, he has all sorts of adventures and different political intrigues and who's with who and that kind of a thing. In chapter 17, so Absalom, he's been successful in the coup and he holds a war council. David's on the run. Well, what are they going to do about it? And so Absalom, with David's former advisor who had defected, Ahithophel, uh, he he has good advice. He's like, you know, you should just kill your father, right? You know, good advice. The successful military sound tactical advice, uh, Ahithophel just says, okay, you should kill your dad. But then the secret guy who's also says he's going to be loyal to Absalom, but who's actually secretly working for David comes in. His name's Hushai. And basically he's trying to help David. And he convinces Absalom's war council uh, that, you know, you should, oh, you know, you should let him live and comes out with this really convoluted uh, tactical reason why. But, you know, secretly what he's doing is he's giving David and his professional army who's on the run, he's giving them time to counterattack. Uh, and so while this war council, the elders of Israel are arguing between Ahithophel's and Hushai's advice to Absalom, David counterattacks and we fast forward to chapter 18 when we finally see this final battle and the death of Absalom and then David, he's grieving. And so I will read chapters, uh, chapter 18 verses 6 through 15 just to kind of give us this action scene of where this all has been leading to uh, the death of David's own son and how tragic this is. And it's just a mess. So Second Samuel chapter 18 verse 6 says, so the army went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim. And the men of Israel were defeated there by the servants of David, and the loss there was great on that day, 20,000 men. So this is a lot of high casualties. It's a mess, and other people are having to pay the price. Verse 8, the battle spread over the face of all the country, and the forest devoured more people that they than the sword. And Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. Absalom was riding his mule, and the mule went under the thick branches of a great oak and caught his head fast in the oak. And he was suspended between heaven and earth while the mule that was under him went on. So he's like hanging there by his head. And a certain man saw it and told Joab, so this is David's uh, commander, Joab, the guy comes to Joab and he said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanging in an oak. Joab said to the man who told him, What? You saw him? Why then did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have been glad to give you ten pieces of silver and a belt. But the men said to Joab, Even if I felt 
in my hand the weight of a thousand pieces of silver, I would not reach out my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai, for my sake, protect my son. So before this battle had taken place, David is like, don't go easy on him. Like we've got to, we've got to quell this rebellion, but go easy on my son. And the people are like, uh, okay, so 20,000 people are dying and they're getting kind of these conflicting, uh, commands. Like what do, this is such a mess, this family drama and it's causing a war. Everybody else is having to pay the price. And this guy sees Absalom about to be dead. He's hanging in a tree and he could have killed him. And he's like, I don't know what to do here. And so Joab's like, kill him. Verse 13. On the other hand, if I had dealt treacherously against his life and there's nothing hidden from the king, then you yourself would stood, would have stood aloof. Uh, so Joab said, I will not waste my time with you on this. And he took three javelins in his hand and thrust them into the heart of Absalom while he is still alive, hanging in the oak. And ten young men, Joab's armor bearers, surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. So he's dead, right? He's he's extra killed. So we fast forward, like he's like, man, just put him put him out, like just in this. This has been such a mess. They finally kill him, and now in. Uh, Fast forward in chapter 18, verse 31, it's like the guys are like, all right, uh, so who's going to tell David that his son's dead now? Like, who, who wants to do this? Uh, you tell him. No, no, you tell him. Like, so they're like, okay, who's going to tell him? There's this kind of like, okay, you tell him. Uh, whatever happens, happens. And so this Cushite came in verse, verse 31. It says, good news for my Lord, the king. For the Lord has delivered you this day from the hand of all those who rose up against you. The king said to the Cushite, Is it well with young man Absalom? And the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my Lord, the king, and all those who rise up against you for evil be like that young man. And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. And so he is grieving and he's wailing and he's going on and on. And then in chapter 19, Joab, like his commander who actually killed Absalom, he's like, David, what are you doing? Look at all the men who died in battle for you and you're crying over your son. Like, obviously, David has mixed emotions. Right, his son's trying to kill him. He ends up dying, and then he's so sad for his son's loss. We would we would feel that any any parent of a child, but then the the people who are having to pay the price, David's soldiers and his army, are like, you know, my chopped liver. Like we just died for you, and and it seems like you'd rather us be dead than your own son. Like it's just a mess. And so at the end of this, we see several things that I pointed out. Sin is insane. It just makes it worse and it compounds. And we had been promised that the what David probably thought was a little sin, watching Bathsheba bathe in uh, his lust, and he cultivated that, got worse and worse and worse. And it wasn't just in his own life that he saw the consequence. It was in the life of others. And so sin compounds. It's, it's, it's terrible. And we grieve over that. And then the second thing we see in this whole drama is something very profound we saw in verse 33 when David is obviously upset. He says, Would that I had died instead of you, 
O Absalom, my son. And boy, doesn't that point us to something. David, in all this drama, in all this grief, in all this agony, he is grasping desperately at this idea of, I wish I had a substitute. Would that I had died instead of you. If I had been in your place, if only someone... Maybe myself, someone would be in the place of the death of my son. See, sin always demands death. Sin always leads to death. It's the power and the penalty of sin is death. And we, our hearts, know that it is not right. Sin hurts, and we desperately cry out for a substitute. And that points us to Jesus. See, David, he's he's desperately wanting to be the the substitute instead of his son. For, for right or wrong, but he's grasping at something that the books of First and Second Samuel ultimately point to, and that is Jesus, of course, the ultimate substitute, who became sin, who became the reproach, the worst sin that you can think of, the, the craziness that you see here in this story. He became as unto that on the cross, and the Father, who can't stand to have sin in his presence, turned his back on the Son, and Jesus took on the penalty, dying for us on the cross. That is the substitute that David is reaching out for here in 2 Samuel. And it's also the substitute that we have as Christians today. I hope that encourages you to dig into scripture for yourself. Thank you so much for sticking with us on this extra long episode. Y'all have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow on the New Vision Podcast. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.